Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Apple's chief designer Jonathan Ive is leaving after more than two decades in which his iconic designs for the Mac, iPod and iPhone turned one of Silicon Valley's faded giants into the world's most valuable company. Janine Gibson discusses what this means for Apple and what Sir Jonathan will do next with Tim Bradshaw and Matthew Garahan. Matt Garahan, for those outside the tech world who might not know the significance of Johnny Ive, who is he? Well, I consider myself outside the tech world. And I mean, he's obviously a huge figure within the tech world, but an even bigger figure out of it. Because along with Steve Jobs, he's the man responsible for the Apple as we know it today and the suite of products and gadgets and computers that it developed, which effectively changed the world of consumer electronics, changed the world in terms of the way we interact with telephones and gave the world its first smartphone. He is someone with a very clear design aesthetic. And with that married to the drive and the relentless push for excellence that Steve Jobs embodied, the two were a kind of perfect pair. And the Apple that we know today was on its knees when the two of them got together. So he is a huge, huge figure, one of the biggest figures in global business. So his departure from Apple is a very, very big deal. Because, Tim, at Apple, the design leads the technology in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. The design studio where Johnny works and where Steve Jobs spent a lot of his time really comes up with the concepts of new ideas for products and even anything down to the materials that they use to create those and does very deep exploration of what's coming next. So they then sort of go out and partner with the engineering teams, the software teams to turn those into products. But really the seeds of those ideas come from quite a small number of people inside a company that employs, I think, 130,000 across its software retail operations. So it's a very small but very influential group that Johnny has led for 20 odd years. But now. design leads the company, doesn't it? Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Unlike any other. I mean, Apple, I think, doesn't think of itself as a tech company, it thinks of itself as a design company that happens to produce tech products. So if the aesthetics requires you to invent a new material, you will go off and invent a new material? Yeah, if you come out with a phone that turns out to be slightly bendier than you had expected, the next phone comes out with a slightly strengthened aluminium, so uh, it doesn't bend, for example. So why is he leaving now then? Johnny says when we spoke to him this week that he's leaving now because he feels like he's completed a certain number of big projects that have been in train for quite some time. In terms of Apple's internal projects, that means the move to Apple Park, its new headquarters that he designed along with Jobs and Norman Foster. And also that comes with it a sort of a new setup for that design studio, which has brought together not just industrial design, which is perhaps what we think of Johnny and Apple for generally, the sort of the physical hardware itself, but bringing in interaction designers, font designers, people that think about different ways in which we touch, tap, feel, whatever comes out of the software and the gadgets themselves. And that's been a work in progress for a very long time. It's a multi-billion dollar project. I think Johnny said that he and Steve Jobs first talked about it in 2004 as they were walking through Hyde Park in London. I think there is also a secondary question around what motivates Johnny himself and why he feels like this is a moment where he wants to branch out and do new things. He's not going to be quitting working with Apple altogether. He won't be an employee anymore, but they will retain his services to advise on design and strategy and product innovations. But he will no longer be restricted to just doing technology. Now, he's not saying an awful lot about what else he is going to do with this new venture that he's starting. But one can imagine that that might run from anything from beautiful, expensive pieces of jewellery or furniture to something completely different. He's bringing with him Mark Newson, who's another Apple designer and a long-time 
collaborator of Johnny's who worked on plane interiors and cars and watches. So the resources inside Apple are almost unlimited, but the canvas is somewhat constrained. And so maybe he just feels after 25 years, he wants to do something different. Do you think that the nature of the company is changing, Matt, that it's something that has been so aesthetic led and design led and that you can move the world in order to achieve your vision, but Apple is necessarily becoming more about services and expensive video streaming and software. Operations rather than hardware. Certainly, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, the smartphone market is maturing. You know, new competitors in China and undercutting the sorts of things Apple does. It's still by far and away the biggest part of its business, but it's not growing as quickly as it used to. And the bigger part with more potential is services, as you say, in video and music and other things. How much influence can one person who's used to sculpting beautiful objects have on a sort of ethereal, intangible business like services? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the Apple line has always been that actually what makes the iPhone special is not just the hardware, but the combination of hardware and software and services. And although Johnny started as an industrial designer, he did take over software duties as well. And a few years ago, I think it was iOS 7, he sort of stripped that back, made it much more minimalist, a lot flatter, got rid of some of the faux leather textures and the sort of ring bind stuff that you had in the original iPhone as it came out. And so he's proved that he can do software as well. What I guess we haven't seen from Apple a breakthrough in things like Siri and virtual assistants and artificial intelligence. And although some of that is raw engineering and technology, and that's an area where Google has vastly more data that it can pull on than Apple does, it is also a question of how humans interact with technology. And the way Siri works just isn't as good as Alexa or Google Assistant. Mm. Do you think any of this is down to perhaps getting a little bored? I mean, being at the same place for such a long time, having such influence, sees the company moving in a slightly different direction and it's now time to think about things other than technology. I think 12 plus years of iPhones and they're becoming ever more iterative. I do think there must be a sort of sense of, you know, here we go again. Um, They obviously look a long way ahead, many years ahead. And so he will know that the car, the smart glasses, Mm. whatever is coming in health next that we expect are brewing in those labs, he'll be involved in those and will continue to be, I think. But there must be something that you just want to try something completely different. And and when I spoke to him, he talked a little bit about wanting to sort of try and find that space and clear air to think of new ideas and get different kinds of creative stimulation. He talks a lot about the creative process rather than just the products that come out at the end of them. And I did get a sense that maybe he just felt like he was on a bit of a treadmill and never really got the kind of free space to roam that Mm. he wants. Mm. He's come a long way from his humble beginnings and fully embraced the Californian lifestyle. Very much so, yes. The boy from (laughs) Chingford is... Uh, Boy done good. I might be over-romanticising this. That is a frequent problem. But I have this very Ben Bradley, Catherine Graham view of Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive building this company together with their creative tension partnership. You see, it's going all the way. Lennon and McCartney. Yeah, Yeah. tears in your your eyes (laughs) right now. Yeah, there's a whole soundtrack. And that somehow, you know, once Steve Jobs went, the company's inevitably drifted under Tim Cook to be a bit more corporate and a bit more structurally led and that poor Johnny's aesthetic vision has been forced out. I think there's possibly something to that. For sure. Um, you don't have to say that just to indulge. No, 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 no. I think you're right. I mean, it was a partnership. I think they would both, if Jobs was still here, he would say, I mean, they were collaborators, the like of which has not been seen. Mm. And they had lunch together every day. Jobs was constantly in the design studio. I asked Tim Cook, you know, how often he goes. And he sort of says, well, I'm, I'm very busy. I, I go as often as I can. That's not every it day. It doesn't sound like they're having lunch together no, every no. day. And so I think that 
on the other hand, you know, the Apple Watch and the AirPods and the sort of whole push into wearable technology was definitely a post-jobs endeavour. That process began in 2012. And so although the watch got a very lukewarm reception when it started, it has become a big business. I think the AirPods, similarly, people are like, why does that little dribble of toothpaste look like it's sticking out of my ear? But now they've sort of almost become their own viral phenomenon. And that's not just him. That's the whole team of people Mm. that work in Apple design. They've proven that they can do something beyond that. I guess what we haven't seen and frankly may never see from Apple is something as big as the iPhone. And I guess that's sort of the thing that hangs over it. And I, again, also asked Johnny about that. And he said, well, I don't judge success by numbers. It's more about the ideas and the satisfaction and the little invisible things that we do that people not notice that their lives are being made better. And that's fine. That sounds like the sort of language that would have appealed to Steve Jobs and possibly not to Tim Cook. There have been problems, though, haven't there? I mean, you've referred to the initial scepticism over AirPods. The MacBook, the latest MacBook and the keyboards that don't work. and The butterfly keyboard. The butterfly keyboard. Or the beautiful stand, you know. The, the, the thousand, well, I don't know. I mean, Johnny made to say that as the pinnacle of his achievements, yeah. the thousand dollar monitor stand for yeah, Mac but, Pro. But if that's what he's spending his time doing, I mean, yeah, I, I think. I think the bigger question behind all of this is who makes decisions about which Apple products come out and see the light of day. And rightly or wrongly, that was always singularly associated with Jobs. He mm. was the one who said a million no's and a few yeses. And I think. Johnny has sort of taken on that role, but maybe not had that sounding board that he had when Jobs was alive. And I think Tim Cook is a fantastic operator. He's a fantastic diplomat, which is a very important role for Apple at the moment. But yeah, you don't get that sense that he's as energised by the spark of an idea and how do we nurture this. He wants to know when it comes out the other side how to make it in huge volumes and how to make it a bigger success. But who, after Johnny has left full-time at Apple, is actually making that decision is not clear. And they say it's many people. But then you're talking about design by committee. But to put you on the spot, can they flourish without him? Well, without him is this open question. I mean, he's starting this new venture called Love From, or one word. He has been in California a long time, hasn't he? He has. And so Love From will have Apple as its first client. Mm. And he says that he wants to be sort of very closely involved for very many years. But Up until now, Apple's had him all to themselves. Mm. And so I think that there are other questions around whether Apple will flourish, which I think in the short term have much more to do with the China-US trade war Mm. and how many people in China still want to buy iPhones, whether China will still be where iPhones are made or whether they have to move production out wholesale, which is very complicated and expensive. And so the iPhone franchise will continue with or without Johnny, I think. And it's hard to sort of say how closely involved he's been in the iPhone, but he is a car nut. He's a judge at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. He likes cars. He wanted to buy McLaren. For a while, didn't it? Yes, that was a scoop. Um, who was that, Matt? Yeah, well, that was uh, an FT story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, but you kind of wonder what that really... I mean, they're definitely spending a lot of money exploring what an autonomous vehicle can do and how it will work. But what does that actually look like? Mm. And whether Johnny is the right person to design that as a fan of traditional cars or whether you need someone with a completely blank slate. I mean, there are those that argue mm. that actually this is the right moment to really shake up management mm. at Apple more generally. We've seen Angela Arendt leave the head of retail. They've brought in a very senior artificial intelligence engineer from Google to oversee machine learning where they have been weak and you know maybe this will create a new kind of era for them they certainly have the resources at their disposal to do it so mm. it kind of feels hard to write them off Alright big question for Apple so Jonathan's off to become a bespoke yacht interiors designer or whatever he's going off to do but in the big ranking of Google Facebook Amazon Apple who's now on top does this make any difference for Apple? 
Well, Microsoft right now is the world's most valuable company and the only one of the big Silicon Valley companies that is worth more than a trillion dollars. But we never talk about Microsoft. But it's quite, yeah, it's quite boring. Very dark. Um, I mean, I find, you know, Amazon is such a juggernaut right now and seems to have that carefree spirit of innovation and experimentation, which has been quite the opposite of how Apple has worked, where you sort of very deliberately and secretly come up with something and then launch it into the world. As technology expands into every part of our lives, I feel like Amazon is perhaps the most dynamic of that group that doesn't currently, at least, have the sort of privacy baggage that a Facebook or a Google might have or the sort of legacy problems of, you know, we've, we still have iPhone sales that make up two thirds of our revenues and how do we ever get out from under that? Do you think that's right? Yeah, I think Amazon's clearly, well, I mean, they are ascendant and they have been in the ascendancy for some time and Apple has its own struggles now. Bye, Johnny Ive. End of an era. That was Janine Gibson, Special Projects Editor, talking to News Editor Matt Garahan and Tim Bradshaw, FT Global Technology Correspondent. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on moves to make farming more eco-friendly, the sale of Sotheby's auction house, or caring for dementia sufferers, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.